0: The whiskey loving tones and the microphone are brought to you by
1: Inga Larissa and my whiskey partner in crime, Jennifer Rose.
0: Yes, indeed. Whether you are a whiskey newbie or have been around the whiskey block for some time, buckle up for some whiskey mischief as we delve deeper into Scotch and explore whiskies from around the world. You
1: can keep up to date with our global whiskey news in the stick your nose in it section. And we hope you'll join us in raising a glass as we taste our drams and share our honest opinions.
0: And of course, we will be interviewing some whiskey industry movers and shakers,
1: as well as keeping those brains sharp in Whiskey Sisters, Whiskey Facts. As always, we will be sharing our own whiskey journey and invite you to come along for the ride. Whiskey lovers, get your drums ready. You're listening to Whiskey Sisters. In today's episode, we will be learning about the history of one of the most popular Scotch whiskies in the world,
0: Glenlivet. The distillery has kindly gifted us samples from the recently relaunched 21 and 25-year-old releases. But before we sample those oof, that, can I just say, are beautifully packaged, let's stick our noses into the latest whisky news.
1: Stick your nose in it.
0: Highland single malt producer Glenmorangie has bottled its first whiskey made from barley, kilned with woodland botanicals. Dr. Bill Lumsden, Glenmorangie's director of whiskey creation, took inspiration from the woods near his home. Mm. Can we take a pause for a minute, Inca? Dr. Bill Lumsden.
1: I was just going to say, I wonder, you know, we were saying earlier that we should put a tenor in the kitty when one of us mentioned Dr. Bill, so I think you should... Go for it
0: That's it. So I'm going to start the the jar for season two. Do you know, I'm not sure if he's got wind of us stalking him because we've got about three different sources contacting him or trying to on our behalf. And I don't know if he's flattered or terrified or, you know, maybe the, maybe the sources are just like, yeah, I'll just, I'll, I'll not really contact
1: him. Don't know. <laughs> yeah, You might not have any idea
0: yeah but dr bill we're still coming for you watch this space listeners anyway botanicals used during the kilning process included juniper berries birch bark and heather flowers the whiskey was aged in bourbon barrels including many refill casks sounds amazing i want a bottle definitely yeah absolutely all the botanicals and it is bottled at 46 percent abv Glenmorangie, A Tale of the Forest. Will re- oh, that's such a nice name, actually, mm. isn't it? A Tale of the Forest will retail for seventy-five British pounds and eighty-five US dollars. It launched on the third of October. The whisky will be available exclusively from Selfridges until the seventeenth of October.
1: Ooh, fancy! Master blender Billy Walker has concluded Glen Allerky's The Past, The Present and Future series with a four-year-old peated single malt. Oh. Which is, yeah, it's the first peated from the distillery and it is also said to be the first distillate produced under the Glen Allerky Distillers Company's ownership. Wow, because Billy Walker's known for his kind of more sherry bomb style, isn't he? Yeah, the Glen Allergy, Billy Walker 50th Anniversary Future Edition four year old peated single malt was matured in former rye and bourbon barrels as well as in virgin oak casks. Described as young and punchy by the brand, it is made with mainland peat from St. Fergus, Scotland.
0: I don't uh, know where St. Fergus is, Anka. Do you? No, mainland need to Scotland. <laughs> I prefer mainland peat although
1: I'm a big fan of the islands I prefer the less medicinal peat Mm. and yeah it's said that the whisky boasts sweet and smoky notes of oak, cinnamon, apples and chocolate covered hazelnuts ooh Ooh. Whisky
0: sister! The Glenlivet, the Speyside-based distillery, was one of the first to take out the new licence, which were issued after the passing of the 1823 Excise Act, which is considered the starting point of the modern Scotch whisky industry.
1: George Smith, a farmer, which in those days actually pretty much meant an illicit distiller, (laughs) not much of a farmer. (laughs) He was the person who made the decision to go straight in 1824 and the distillery has been working almost continuously ever since. Whiskey smuggling had been underway for almost 40 years by that time and the gangs were both well established and relatively wealthy and plenty of the new distillers were raised to the ground because obviously they wanted to keep everyone underground. George Smith famously traveled with a pair of pistols in case he was at attacked by his former colleagues and in fact these are still visible at the distillery that you can see them They showcasing them on the wall.
0: Yeah, so Mm. cool. Quite rock and roll as well. Yeah. Glenlivet has been used as a shorthand for what we now know as Speyside whiskies since the smuggling era. By the 1860s, the title was being appended to distilleries' names as far north as Elgin, much to the irritation of the Smith family, who had then trademarked Glenlivet. In 1881, George's grandson, George Smith Grant, he was running the family farm. He he sued the companies who had added Glenlivet to their name. Rightly so, I think.
1: Yeah. It, how strange is isn't it weird that like rather than use your own distillery name and stuff, no, yeah. Glenlivet. But I think a lot of that was to do with because it's you know around the the Livet, isn't it? Oh, um, the river. The river, yeah. So yeah. Maybe they were like alone and nearby, and obviously Glenlivet was known I'm, like being very well, very good. And just like piggybacking on the success of that. Yeah.
0: So it took a further three years for a compromise resolution to be signed. This allowed the Smiths distillery to call itself The Glenlivet, while the others could hyphenate their name with, like, dash Glenlivet. Over the years, 26 distilleries have styled themselves in this way, although the practice now appears to have died out completely.
1: That's just so confusing. I'm glad it's all gone now.
0: because They say that, like, imitation's like the strongest form of flattery, but that must have done their head right in. The word and whiskey samples of Glenlivet had spread across the UK. Even Charles Dickens wrote to his friend, urging him to try the rare old Glenlivet, a single malt that went beyond his great expectations. That
1: is so cool. So the Glenlivet was always available as a single malt, but it wasn't until after the Second World War, which was actually the only time the distillery closed during its whole production, that it began its rise. By then, the distillery was run by Bill Smith Grant, who introduced Glenlivet to the wider American market. And after Prohibition, one of their first customers was the Pullman Train Company, who actually started to serve miniature bottles on their routes, really helping to spread the word of the Glenlivet across the continent. I like that. Mm. And yeah. it, it's because it's massive in the US. And that's definitely one of the reasons, I'm yeah. sure. Um, and like with many distilleries, there have been changes in the ownership several times. In 1952, they were with the Glen Grant, and then a blender, Hill Thompson Co., and also at one point with Longmorn Pendriach, I think it was as well. And in 1978, three years after Bill Smith Grant's death, uh, C. Cram, who is the owner of Shivas, paid 46 million pounds for a controlling stake. And soon after, the Glenlivet became the largest selling single malt in America, a position it still holds today.
0: Yes, and it's the fourth best-selling single malt in the UK and the second best-selling single malt whiskey in the world, with the bottle sales around 6 million bottles per annum. Like, that's pretty impressive stuff.
1: But have you, have you been to a distillery? How, are you familiar with the Glenlivet whiskies? No, but no. I must admit, after hearing you
0: talk about your distillery visit, I feel like, you know, I want a slice of the action. Do you know, the one that stands out for me is the Caribbean Reserve, because I do like that kind of rum style cask finish. And I found that, I think I first tried it in the winter months, and I was like, oh, that rum's quite warming. But then I must admit, I tried it in the summer months, and I was like, oh, that's kind of like Caribbean and working for me in the summer as well. So I was quite impressed by that.
1: Was that the one that you actually, did you make the whiskey float? Yeah, I decided to make the ice cream whiskey float with that because I just thought that would be like quite
0: fun from a flavour profile perspective and like added in some fever tree uh, ginger ale for like yep. the, the fizzy, and then added some Scottish white vanilla Mackey's ice cream. We're not even sponsored by these companies, but we're just throwing <laughs> in the names <laughs> right yeah. now. I'm like, that was a tasty combination, if I say so myself. You might have to make me one when I come over. <laughs> yeah, but am I right in thinking like you had a really good experience there, Inka?
1: Yeah, so this is a funny one because I've, it's never been really a whiskey that I would choose straight away because it's a bit that lighter style, Mm -hmm. quite fruity... But then last year, I got invitation to go and see the new visitor center and everything changed. (laughs) Um, Basically, the updated visitor center is built to make you feel like you're visiting the home of the the Bill Smith Grant. It's really cozy. They got nice seating areas. There's a fireplace. There's a lounge for whiskey and cocktail bar. They got different tasting rooms, all sorts of cool stuff so it's super cozy and just you want to stay there forever that does sound pretty amazing yeah and the winning design aspect of the whole thing was mm-hmm. when you were walking between like this indoor fields of barley like they no. literally had barley and it was no nicely lit and you could touch the barley and then they had all these big screens where you could listen the distillery workers and the farmers to talk about the whiskey making these vi- like short video clips were played on the screens and somehow it just felt a bit more personal yeah, And just some tour guide telling you, you know, this is how we do this and that and Yay. blah, 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 like the things that you've heard so many times. It just give it a little bit more personality. And I have to say, I was there and um, Swedish whiskey girl, Moa, was actually on the same tour oh nice and afterwards we we're both like literally tears in our eyes Like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> the, Nor- just, like the Nordic females moved
0: emotionally
1: I love I that know. it was just like really nice I don't know it just felt much more connected to the brand and it just gave all this character and I don't know like maybe we're just tired from the travel or, like, I don't know but we're but, both like oh my god this is just making me a little bit emotional <laughs> I love
0: that Inca and like you know Finnish people aren't renowned for being overly (laughs) emotional let's just put that out there but it does sound a very immersive experience like you could almost connect like step into history and like be part of
1: it like the you know nature and the process exactly and at the end of the tour you actually end up inside an old washback so when you're inside the washback you really quite understand how big those things are yeah. But it was just all those really nice details and they even have a hand bottling section where you can bottle your own whiskey and a cask string straight from the cask.
0: And that again, I'm guessing, really helping visitors feel that connection, feel part of it and to take their own part home in a very personal way.
1: Yeah, yeah. And there's there's parts of the area where you can walk around and obviously they have the shop and stuff, but they also have all these old bottles and you can see the guns that we were mentioned earlier and all these different things. And it really does feel like a living room and the cocktail bar in the middle was just, yeah, it's very nice. We were also pairing the whiskies with different foods and stuff. That's so what just, I was just
0: going to ask you. I was like, I'm sure you've maybe mentioned that you had like some awesome food pairings.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it just gives you much more idea of like how far you can stretch the whiskey beyond onto sipping it but like oh think about this and try with the spicy thing or this fruit or popcorn or chocolate like lots of different things and just yeah outdoors indoors tasting room different types of tasting rooms like lots of different aspects so yeah i i would say it was amazing experience and i do hope that we can go there together the only thing was that it was still COVID time so we couldn't see the still room but yes i'm sure we can manage a
0: trip sometime it sounds like they're smashing the visitor experience out the park
1: Dram on fire.
0: These are part of the sample room collection. 21-year-old, triple finished and first fill, Oloroso Sherry, Troncas, Oak, Cognac and Vintage, Coleta, Port Casks, 43% ABV. Inca, would you like to correct any of that <laughs> pronunciation? No,
1: I don't know. Uh, you should know all the port, you're the one moving to Portugal.
0: I know, I know, <laughs> I need
1: to brush up on my port pronunciations. So we're reviewing the 21 and 25 year old from the new sample room collection and these were kindly gifted to us by the Livet Distillery in an amazing box with all sorts of sensory experiences with
0: yeah, yeah, all it sorts the- of things. Like literally the full package, wasn't it? Check out our socials for some showing off with the box.
1: They even sent all those like really nice whiskey glasses and I took it all the way to Italy with me. And then as soon as I got home, (laughs) it dropped on the floor. Oh no, (laughs) that's such a shame. Okay, so the color, I would say, is very dark. Yeah. It's caramel-like. agree, And it kind of just already, I think always this kind of color just makes me think that this dram is gonna be luxurious, you know, very elegant, yeah expensive. It <laughs> sets the scene for that, isn't it? Like Yeah, definitely.
0: Like almost a kind of, you know, that nice brown leather colour that you just like think, oh, expensive. It's yeah. like
1: that. I found this quite interesting. I have to say straight away, I'd really enjoyed it. It started off quite perfumed and like mm-hmm. I said, like and kind of had this like elegant aroma mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was thinking rich mus- muscovado sugar, like a coffee flavoured icing, some dried figs. But then over time, it's just moved, like changed into a bit more like super sherried, I thought.
0: I would agree that it certainly changes and develops and as the air gets in and, you know, go back for a kind of second and third sniff.
1: Mm. So how was the aromas working for you? Yeah, I thought it was lovely in the nose. At first, I kind of got, you know, like.
0: Polished oak furniture, not oh, yeah, not it furniture fr- polish, but just that kind of shiny oak smell. Mm. And then I got like a lovely treacle toffee. There was a kind of like fruitiness, but not more kind of red berries, maybe some strawberry scents, and then vanilla, like vanilla sponge. But mm. when I went back in again after the air had been in, I more kind of like the notes you would expect with a heavily sherry whiskey. But that was initially what I got in the nose.
1: And on the palate, I thought it was really quite soft and nice straight away. Like it just mm-hmm. felt quite luxurious. Some gentle spiciness, like a, I was thinking ground ginger in, in a cake. Some citrus and there were some pears. And then I felt like with air, the pears just, rather than like, you know, fresh, kind of crunchy bear, bear. <laughs> <laughs> crunchy pear. They became more like juicy and sweet. Nice. Well, I've also got some
0: stewed fruit, like stewed sour apples. I've got a tanginess more than a spiciness, and I've got like tangy sour sweeties, you know, like with all the sugar, but they're like quite nippy. Oh, yeah, I love those. Yeah, yeah, me too. But
1: then a nice kind of
0: like caramel sauce sweetness.
1: The finish then was a bit more drying mm-hmm. um, and a bit more oaky. And then after a while, like I thought, Well, actually, the finish was quite long. When I say dry, I didn't mean like super dry. It's kind of oily and dry at the same time. I was thinking Brazil nuts and walnuts. And -hmm. and then like the final, final aftertaste was pine nuts. Oh, nice. Mm. I've written coal fire ash
0: on the finish. I kind of was thinking of like a coal fire and like the embers of it. Although it wasn't smoky, I don't know if I was imagining licking the remnants of a coal fire, but that's what I got. Oh, that's interesting.
1: (laughs) I I didn't get that. Really? (laughs) (laughs) No, no. I'm even trying to find it, but it's not there. (laughs) Well, obviously it is for you. But interesting, Dram, did you like it? Yes, I did. I thought it was really nice. I'm excited about the second one as well. So the Glenlivet 25-year-old single mould is one of the finest bottles finished in PX Sherry and Troncay's Oak Cognac casks. And again, this one also is bottled at 40. 3% APD. Did you think the color is very
0: similar Inca but maybe even a bit deeper like caramelly mahogany but a bit deeper.
1: Yes, definitely. And I was thinking again like that super dark honey that you use yeah, for yeah. cheeses rather than tea that is like has a super strong flavor that kind of yeah. deep color, kind of brownness. But yeah, very yeah, nice. That color gets me excited. Yeah (laughs) I know how funny is that? (laughs) I I do think maybe sometimes we should use those black glasses so we don't think about the color straight away. Yeah we need to get some of those
0: black glasses with our whiskey sisters because they're pretty cool but then you don't have that
1: sensory bias that you've seen the color for sure. Mm. So okay this one on the nose super weird but like in a good way Mm-hmm. First, I was thinking like gummy bears or like super sweet Haribo's, you know, when you open the Haribo bag okay. and that smell comes like, you know, mm-hmm. especially those Haribo eggs or something like that, where they have the wh- white The foamy. little fried eggs. Yeah. Oh, I, I love, love the fried eggs. Yeah. So like that kind of, that fi- white foamy part of it, like makes it, the smell is really sweet. Good call. So that's what it made me think. And I'm still, still getting it after the air. It's been like, but then uh, it kind of transferred into some Amarena cherries or, so, you know, those maraschino mm-hmm. cherries, mm-hmm. but I'm not actually getting it now. It was just at the beginning. I think
0: this is super changeable on the nose. At first I got a, like a tiramisu dessert. Oh. Then I got like kind of fresh coffee beans and I've got glassy cherries.
1: So I also got the cherries, but that quite like, you know, those kind of bright red sweet ones. Yeah, tiramisu is actually a really good call because there was definitely a bit of coffee, creamy, something going on yeah. at the I even wrote down hazelnuts and like crushed
0: walnuts. Oh, well, that's interesting because I've got, when I went back into um, nose it again after the air getting in, I've got a, uh, I get a really strong caramelized nut you know like those you kind of get them candied and caramelized yeah
1: Mm. and also
0: like a dense fruit cake you know again kind of like quite a heavy heavy fruit cake with lots of of fruits within it
1: yeah especially now after after it's been in the glass for a while i can definitely detect that one so on the palette again had this really nice i don't I, i always have to say soft but it's not really i don't think it's the right word you know when it's just moves so nicely in your mouth. There's no burn, no harshness, nothing. Yeah. It's just like, it's not silky, but it's kind of just...
0: I wrote smooth and creamy. I found it extraordinarily creamy, just like,
1: ooh, mm. on the palate. Yeah, it's really, really beautiful. Lots of brown sugar, rich sweetness, like that kind mm-hmm. of dark sugar. I don't know. I was thinking also caramel cake.
0: Kind of mm-hmm. like
1: sticky toffee pudding, but like... Mm-hmm. Without, not so much as the, the sauce, but like the sticky... The pudding itself.
0: Mm. Yeah. I got a kind of sweet pastry, you know, like ones with like almonds on it mm-hmm. and ginger baking spice, but not a very like spiky spice, but you know, kind of within the... A bit like you were saying with the 21, yeah. like within the kind of baking itself. Maybe a kind of faint hint of dark chocolates over Brazil nuts. Those kind of... Ah, uh, yeah, dark chocolate. Good call. And I'm thinking, what is my writing saying there? But I've written tingles to the base of my spine. Because <laughs> <laughs> when I had my first sip, I was like, oh yeah. And I just felt like like a rush of glory rushed to the bottom of my spine. So I thought, I'm going to put that in there. <laughs> yeah. I've got a tasting note of
1: tingling spine. Any of our listeners got a tingling spine tasting notes <laughs> before? Let us know. Sweeney's was a bit more woody. I agree. Uh, and there was i wrote down red apples kind of that sweeter apple but not super sweet and has some sort of the freshness of the apple at the same time nice but there's still like lots of sweetness coming through but like i don't know it just because it's not sickly sweet or anything no, definitely no. I agree on the woodiness
0: and the finish. I was imagining burnt wood that's been in a fire. Again, I'm all about the fireside finishes. And I kind of felt like I was licking the burnt wood from the fire.
1: So I wonder now, because obviously you got those same on both of these. And then we both kind of got the gingery vibe. Yeah. Uh, but on separate ones. So maybe it's from the Troncas Oak Cognac
0: oh i wonder
1: Perhaps. i liked it which one was your favorite oh
0: 25 by a long shot it was like it was like well it was tingling my spine anchor what more do you want <laughs> yeah. what about you
1: oh it's a tough call I, at first really I was thinking, yeah because i was thinking the 25 but now because i'm sipping it again that like it's been in the glass for well. a yeah. while it's maybe it's just a little bit on the sweeter side so i'm i i think i'm gonna go for the 21 that makes sense I like all that kind of nuttiness and the, the kind of oiliness. I'm very
0: impressed. So packaging, eh, superb, but delivery
1: in the glass, boom. Whiskey sisters, whiskey fact. For a whiskey fact today. Yes. I've got a funny one for you. <laughs> okay. Do you know the movie Anchorman? Oh my god, yes. That's <laughs> such a good movie. Veronica. <laughs> That's so good.
0: Veronica Corningstone. It's that one, right?
1: Yeah. Oh my God, <laughs> I just love it. It's so funny. So good. So I just saw because we're talking about Glenlivet, so Ron Burgundy actually was a fan of the Glenlivet. He was ordering three fingers of Glen livet with a little bit of pepper and some cheese. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe some
0: jazz flute playing in the background. I know, uh,
1: maybe we should try that and. Whiskey bar next but next time. Can I have a three fingers, a clandlivant <laughs> with a little bit of pepper and cheese? Oh, I hope somebody comes in our like podcast and has Ron Burgundy as their dream dram. Keep it classy.
0: Talking about cheese Inca. Mm-hmm. In some Latin American countries, they say whiskey instead of cheese when posing for a photo.
1: That's so strange. Like I actually I have no idea why people say cheese in the first place. <laughs>
0: but like why would you say whiskey i know like depending on the way your mouth goes when you pronounce things that could be a bad picture right yeah
1: (laughs) yeah because cheese actually makes you smile (laughs) (laughs) love it oh good one you've been listening to the whiskey sisters podcast
0: thanks for listening listeners we wouldn't be a podcast without you We love that you have been tuning in and please continue to do so. Next week, we will be talking about terroir. As a terroir specialist from Waterford Distillery on the beautiful island of Ireland will join us.
1: Very controversial topic, plenty of opinions out there. So do message us your thoughts on the subject on our Instagram at (laughs) whiskeysisters.podcast. twitter at whiskey sisters or facebook at whiskey sisters podcast stay classy san diego say cheese jennifer